Would you pray with me? God of mercy, you promise never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It does not matter who you are. Whether you are young or old, rich or poor, black or white, Republican or Democrat, DC Comics or Marvel, at some point in your life, you're going to have to make a decision about what you are really here for, about why you have been put on this earth, about what your true purpose in life really is. Now, certainly many people simply accept the option that was shaped by their parents' dreams for their lives or by the values of the culture in which we live. But if you've ever spent any time around Jesus, 
you may have discovered there's a whole, that there's a whole lot more to this life than just becoming wealthy or successful or popular or self-actualized or sexually fulfilled or high-achieving. In fact, the more time you spend with Jesus, the less interested in those things you tend to become. Instead, you become far more interested in what Jesus has to say and taking part in what it is that he is doing in this world. For it is there that you will discover your purpose. Now, Simon Peter had thought that his purpose in life was to catch fish. It was his livelihood, of course, and it was what he was best at. And that's a good thing because it allowed him to provide for his family, to pay his taxes, even to make his offering at church, which was a good thing because he really didn't go all that often. But fishing was not an easy career. It was incredibly demanding and extremely frustrating. One of the things that made it so difficult is that most of the fishing had to take place at night. It was just too easy for the fish to see the nets during the daylight. And there's nothing like fishing all night long and catching nothing to make you reconsider your purpose in life. And that morning, Simon Peter was doing some pretty serious thinking. So exhausted and discouraged, Peter and his partners pull their ships onto the shore and they start cleaning their useless nets. Just then Jesus comes along and he starts preaching there on the beach and a crowd gathers around to hear the word of God. Now Peter had been listening to Jesus preach ever since he had arrived in Capernaum and like the rest of the crowds, Peter couldn't get enough of Jesus' words. There was just something so different about Jesus, different from the Pharisees and all their other religious leaders, frankly, different from anyone he had ever known before. And Peter had already witnessed Jesus do some pretty amazing things like cast out some evil spirits in town and even heal his own mother-in-law when she was sick. Now, it was clear there was something very special about this Jesus. And so as Jesus is there preaching on the shore, the crowds began getting larger and larger, and they started to press in on Jesus so that he was being forced out into the water. So Jesus looks around, and he he sees Peter's empty boat sitting nearby, and he goes and climbs in, and he tells Peter to push out into the water so that Jesus could teach the crowds from the boat. Peter figures he might as well put that boat to some good use. So he pushes off and he goes out with Jesus a little way from the shore. A little way from shore. That's pretty much what most of us are comfortable with, isn't it? Going out with Jesus just a little way. Not too far, mind you, right? I mean, we're, we're perfectly happy to be of use to Jesus, to feel like we contributed to his mission, that somehow we made a difference in this world, but we prefer to remain very close to the shore where we can remain in control 
and where we can jump out if necessary, if, if things become a little too uncomfortable for us, or if Jesus' commands begin to conflict with our plans or our politics. In fact, we'd actually prefer not to know too much about Jesus' plans for our lives or his politics. After all, better to plead ignorance than disobedience, right? Unfortunately for Peter, after Jesus finished teaching the crowd, he looks right at Peter and he tells him loud and clear to go out into the deep water and let down the nets. And Peter says, look, Jesus, you may be really good at carpentry and at captivating crowds with your words. Heck, you're even pretty good at healing the sick. But I know fish. I've been doing it my whole life since I was a little boy, and I'm telling you, there ain't no fish out there. And besides, it's now daylight. We never catch any fish during the day. What you're asking is absurd. Jesus, you just don't understand. That's my paraphrase. The truth is, we all have areas in our lives where we are experts that we think we know more about than Jesus. And it is in these areas in particular that we tend to have the hardest time obeying Jesus' commands. Oh, Jesus, you just don't know how difficult my mother can be. She's impossible to deal with. Oh, Jesus, I have tried and tried to make this marriage work, but he's never going to change. Jesus, my schedule is so crazy, I just don't have time for a Bible study or to do morning devotions or to serve as an officer in the church. You just don't know how busy I am. Oh, Jesus, my finances are so tight right now, I just don't have anything left to give. Oh, Jesus, how could you possibly expect me to forgive that person? You just don't know how much they hurt me. Oh, Jesus, those people are crazy. Do you know what news channels they watch? We have nothing in common. I could never be friends with those people. Jesus, you may be really good at preaching the good news and even coming back from the dead, but there are just some things about my life that you don't understand. And so we tend to fall back on our own expertise in these areas and try to manage them ourselves because that usually goes so well. But Jesus, he's not particularly interested in our expert commentary. Instead, he just waits patiently for us to comply. And though it is not specified in the text, I will bet big money that there was a long, awkward pause after Peter informed Jesus about the absurdity of his request, expecting Jesus to get realistic and change his mind. Instead, Jesus just waited silently for Peter to obey. You know, I think one of the reasons it often seems that Jesus is silent in our lives is that we've been ignoring 
what he's already said to us. And he's simply waiting for us to hear him and respond. And one of the things I think Jesus has been trying to tell all of us lately, especially with all the things going on in our world, is that we need to go out into some deeper water and get more serious about our relationship with him. Jesus is waiting for us to start following him in all areas of our lives, not just the religious part. For if Jesus is not Lord in all parts of our lives, the family part, the work part, the school part, the social part, the financial part, the political part, well, then he is not Lord at all in our lives. We cannot compartmentalize our faith. Now, certainly like Peter, surely many of us have have already witnessed Jesus do some pretty amazing things in our families, in our church, in our own lives. I mean, just the fact that you are participating with us this morning is a testimony to the work that Jesus has been doing in your life. But if Jesus is truly going to be Lord of our lives, then we have to commit ourselves to growing in our faith, in our knowledge of his word, and in our obedience. Because Jesus is calling all of us to go deeper. Now, I'm sure like Peter, we all can come up with all kinds of arguments for why we can't do that. I know I did. I argued and argued with Jesus about why I shouldn't go into the ministry. I'm an introvert. I don't like to write, I'm not a public speaker, I don't like conflict, I'm not a manager of people, I don't like to be in front of people, I really don't like to be in front of a camera. The list went on and on and on. But Jesus wasn't particularly interested in all of my excellent excuses. Instead, he just waited patiently for me to obey because he had a purpose in mind for my life that I never dreamed. And Jesus has a purpose in mind for your life as well. And you can argue with him till you're blue in the face. But Jesus is patient. And he'll just keep waiting. Until either you choose to walk away from him altogether and the purpose for which you were created and the life that he was dying for you to have. Or like Peter, you take the risk and that leap of faith of pushing away from the safety and the comfort of the shore out into the deep water. Saying those great words of faith, yet... If you say so, I will let down my nets. Such a great word, isn't it? Yet. There may be no more heroic word in all of Scripture than that. For even though Peter was quite certain he knew how all this was going to turn out, even though he was tired 
and frustrated and had a whole list of reasons why this was a really bad idea. Yet, he did as Jesus commanded. It was one of Peter's finest moments because it was a moment of surrender, of letting go of his plans and his expertise and his excuses and submitting himself to Jesus. So Peter goes out into the deep water. He lets down the nets. And he ends up catching so many fish that the boat begins to sink. Now, how is that possible? It certainly wasn't because of Peter's skill as a fisherman, and he'd be the first to tell you that. Over the years, people have tried to come up with all kinds of ways to explain away this miracle. Oh, you know, fish tend to travel in schools in the Sea of Galilee, and and if you're just really lucky and you happen to throw your net at just the right moment, you could catch a whole bunch of them, and, and if they're pulling off to one side, the boat might start to tip, and water might get in. It might seem like the boat was beginning to sink, and yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that completely misses the point. The point of this story is not the fish. The point of the story is that the incarnation of God, the Savior of the world, is in your boat. If you can believe that, the fish part's a piece of cake. When Peter saw this incredible catch, he knew right away there was a whole lot more going on than just good luck. I mean, it's one thing to be a captivating speaker and even a healer. But Jesus was far too good of a fisherman to believe that this was anything other than divine intervention. And Peter was a fisherman, an unclean peasant, a sinner, who didn't spend much time in holy places or around holy people. And Jesus was clearly far more than just a holy person. He was the Holy One of God. And that is dangerous territory for a sinner. So in fear, Peter falls down on his knees and he says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. But Jesus says, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And Peter and his partners, they end up leaving everything behind and following Jesus. Now maybe, maybe like Peter, you too think that Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with you if he knew about some of the things that you have said or done. If Jesus knew the truth about your life, the truth that you try to hide from everybody else. But the truth is that Jesus is only interested in sinners. It's who he came to save and to summon to be his disciples. Oh, be very sure, Jesus is not looking for perfect people. Even he can't work with them. 
No, Jesus is looking for ordinary people, ordinary sinners like you and me, who are willing to risk going out into the deep water with Jesus and taking a chance on his dreams for our lives. And Jesus does have a purpose in mind for your life. In fact, it's the same purpose he had for Peter, catching people. Actually, the Greek verb here literally means catching people alive. And Jesus is calling you to join him in his mission of catching people alive for the kingdom of God and inviting them into the boat called the body of Christ. He's calling you to go out into this dying world and to give life to people by offering them grace and mercy and compassion and forgiveness and kindness by sharing your resources that God has given you so that other people might have food to eat and clothes to wear and a place to sleep at night and the opportunity to hear the incredible good news that Jesus Christ is alive and in their boat. But first, you have to see that he's in your boat too. And he's inviting you to let go of your excuses and your need for control to push out away from the safety and comfort of the shore and surrender your life to him. Now, I don't know what plans Jesus might have in mind for you. Neither did Peter. You'll just have to follow him and see. But if you're waiting for the perfect time in your life to make that commitment, be very sure it will never come. The right time is now. And if, like Peter, you're willing to take that leap of faith and say, Jesus, the timing just doesn't seem right to me right now, or Jesus, This just doesn't make any sense at all. Or Jesus, you're asking the impossible. Yet, if you say so, I will let down my nets. Well, heaven only knows what kind of a catch you might find in your life. Jesus is calling you to follow him out into the deep water and discover your purpose. And he's waiting patiently for your response. Amen.